Inescapably foreign. Welcome to Without Borders. This is the podcast for nomads, expats, immigrants, uh, third culture children, or anyone else that feels inescapably foreign. I'm your host, Nolan Yuma. Today I'm talking with Ikwe uh, Weno. Uh, by the way, we already spoke last week, okay? So I recommend you listen to the last episode because Ikwe and I are just continuing on from where we left off. Uh, we were talking a lot about some of the cultural differences between Canada and Japan, and now we're talking about, we're segueing into health and mental, uh, mental health as well. Remember, if you are an ESL student, you can access the transcript and language notes. All right, so Ikwe, um, you, we were talking about, uh, hik- oh, I can't even say the word again, hikikomori, hikikomori. Yeah. hikikomori. and we kind of got into the depression there, right? And of course, the way we approach depression in North America is different than people approach depression in Japan, right? In Japan, you have Morita therapy, you have Niken therapy, and of course, you have the more holistic approach to which we talked about earlier. Now, you're a part of the Human Garage Project, right? And you're also a spiritualist. So when you approach um, maybe a client who might have depression or maybe some other type of mental health issue, how do you approach it? Do you feel like you have a mixture of a North American way and a Japanese way? Or is it just completely your own? Or... I think it's a mixture of everything, uh, all the modalities that I kind of learn and also experience that, you know, I've been teaching ESL also. I've been a teacher for a very long time, whether that's as a ESL teacher or a dance teacher. I think it's all about human connections. And going back to hikikomori, I think it's like every, you know, mental issues just... Um, behind that is just that low is self-esteem not feeling good enough and even even people who are very successful have that and i think it's just like in not feeling good enough ingrating in our human subconscious and i think that's very huge i think you know it's knowing that you're not broken and you're actually able to heal yourself you need you can take care of yourself. That's when, that's when your life starts to change. Like that's when you can heal yourself, right? I, um, you mentioned like Morita therapy, all this kind of different therapies. I think they do exist, and some people, you know, um, get help from those tools. But I feel like just thinking about how many Japanese people are currently just depressed, whether they go to work or not. Um, I don't think they have a lot of right tools. Um, per se in the society however um, you know we have our religions like you know Japanese religion Shinto and Shinto or and Buddhism those are like our core values right we always know that it's like you know we came into this life nature takes gives, gives care of us and it's just like we need to zen it out you know meditation all this I think it's like I think first of all um, healing happens when the person is ready so um 
like for example, it's very hard to you know. Have you ever taught something to your siblings? <laughs> very hard. <laughs> They don't listen. <laughs> well, my brother's smarter than I am. So. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> like there was a time that I tried to、um, teach English to my sister, only one time, and then like she's like, "No, I don't want to learn it from you." <laughs> it's a hard, you know. Like you don't have a lot of patience. But anyways, I think it's general. You can't you can't help people if they're not ready.、Mm-hmm. You can't teach people if they're not ready, and if they're not receptive with what receptive about what I have to say, it just like, you know, it goes right out, <laughs> right. Do you feel like in Japan talking about mental illness and depression? Is a little bit more taboo still than in North. Yeah, and definitely there are a lot of stigma around it.、Um, I think no, in North America, more people decided to go through therapies, and there's nothing wrong with that. Is is you know they should be admire you. You know you're investing your money to take care of yourself, and I think that's where the world is going.、Um, however, I haven't been to Japan, <laughs> you know, for a while,、um, but.、Uh, As I'm hearing from my mom and all this thing, I think more people started to do more yoga and definitely just more mindfulness.、Um, I really hope that people are remembering, you know, what we already know, because <laughs>、um, um, I think is we're just so detaching ourselves from, you know, old nature and what we like to be human, you know.、Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think. There are many modalities and ways to take care of yourself, and I think always the mixture of everything. What works for you is the best. As human garage, I was introduced to human garage. We teach people how to heal, how to reduce trauma and stress from fascia, because fascia is a big connective tissue. If actually the composition of fascia is the same thing as crystal quartz, that's that's a very fascinating part for me. Crystal quartz basically consisting consists of water and silica, and、um, so when you look at fascia, is fascia is a very adaptive fluid tissue all over your body, wraps around absolutely everything. Not just wraps around; it goes inside of the muscles, and、um, is the liquid crystal quartz. And、um, I used to think that muscle get tight, but muscle do not get tight. Fascia around the muscles get tight and restrict everything. Same as yeah, organ, nerve, I learned、everything. that when I was a personal trainer. <laughs> right. So、uh, I um I learned how to manipulate fascia, maneuvering fascia to re- re- reduce the restriction. And、um, here's the interesting part about fascia,、uh, from a spiritual perspective. Fascia is basically your subconscious. You it's always listening and observing your thoughts. So let's say like,、um, if something happens and your 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 body shocks, right? It's like you react to this like, oh my god! It's like you know, suddenly your body is in fight or flight. Fascia get restricted, and over time, if your body is under stress, if your fascia is under stress, that becomes your new programming, right?、Mm-hmm. And fascia stores trauma. Also, some people say it's a gateway to Akashic records. I don't know if you are familiar with that. Akashic record.、Um, we talk.、Um, special community talks about it, and it's basically it's like a concept. It's a big library, library, 
And absolutely everything that you experience in your lifetime is recorded in a classic record. And so some people say it's a gateway to access to that information. You know, we're not just how we are because of how we were raised or how what we learned in this lifetime. It's all connected, you know. We also take some, some good stuff and, you know, not so good stuff from our ancestors, right? And uh, I really believe in fascia. It's like our fascia is opening up. Like right now, our fascia is dehydrated <laughs> because of stress and chemicals that we put in our body. And, um, you know, our fascia is dehydrated. And uh, if I want what I do as a coach is to educate people how to open the fascia. Because when you open the fascia, you started to remove stress, trauma, manage the stress. And then when your body is in less stress, you just feel happy. And when you feel happy and calm, you can see the big picture of things. That's your perception, how you see the world. Right. Now, what what sets this apart from some different types of massage techniques or different types of stretch techniques? Is is there something different about this, or is it incorporating principles from massage, from stretching, from yoga? So fascia maneuvers, uh, we I teach fascia maneuvering, like mod maneuvers, uh, were created from the table therapy with every modality that you could think of. My teacher Gary Lineham used to have a clinic in Los Angeles called Shima Garage. And um, it's just like really hands-on. Like uh, he worked with like practitioners from every modality, um, every doctor. And and then so with that knowledge, he just noticed that after 10 years of having this clinical practice, he just created this bigger band-aid for people, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and... Uh, you just, at some point, you just have to realize that you need to take care of yourself. You can't just rely on other people to take care of yourself. So take care of you. So um, Human Garage, when I, was, uh, when I was introduced, they were moving from table therapy, like body work, into like standing up, healing yourself. So what I do as a coach is I actually teach people in class setting. It's like, like almost like you can think of like a new yoga, you know, let's... Uh, there's a fundamental rules to work with fascia, how to manipulate fascia, and you agree. And there's some elements of qigong, and there's an elements of yoga, and we breathe together, and then release the fascia. Also, I can do like um, body work where I can, I will touch human's body, and um, you can think of like a massage, but we follow the flow of fascia. Uh, when the massage therapist, for example. It go touch the skin, go way up, and it go here. This is very um, uncomfortable for a human body because um, it has a flow, right? It says, okay, my body wants to go here. I feel safe. And then as soon as you go the other way, it's just like you feel uncomfortable because it, the body is not supposed to feel this way. The body is supposed to go this way and this way. You know, it's like it has its own flow. So when I do like a body work, I try to go with that flow of fascia so your body feels uh, safe. I think going back to all the depressions and anxiety, our body is in stress. You know, uh, we need to think about the connection between perception, emotion, emotional uh, and the body. And we need to work together. You can't just work on your perceptions and meditation. You need to actually move your body with it. 
I don't know if you're familiar with um, ascensions and age of Aquarius astrology wise where we are heading. Uh, we're going to a different chapter in our life, you know. Um, our DNA is waking up, right? A lot of, uh, I think 95% of our DNA, we're sleeping and it's actually waking up. As our fascia opens up, we can access to more information in our DNA. So we're earning more superpower. <laughs> well, the sleeping is interesting because, by, by the way, listeners, mm -hmm. if you're interested, I recommend you check out, is it Linkter? Linkter. Link, link tree. Link tree. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, link tree, but it is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, and then you go slash Equadancer. So Equadancer is uh, I-K-U-E, Dancer. All right, and there you can find a bunch more information about um, about the fascia release and everything like that. Of course, we are here with Without Borders, so I want to bring this back into the cultural aspect. And it's interesting that you brought up sleep because... Japan is one of the countries that sleeps the least, right? Uh, there, there's one note and it talks about how much um, parents report about how much their children sleep. And New Zealand was at the highest. Uh, those babies and toddlers sleep the most. And Japan, it was the lowest. So even for in infants and for adults. Have you noticed that as well? Like, do you sleep less than Canadians <laughs> or... I think it's just the fact that um, people are under stress, uh, people are in stress. And, um, you know, anything that fires up your stress hormone, like adrenaline and noadrenaline, those things, um, it just don't make you sleep, <laughs> right? So um, before we go to sleep, we need to shut off the brain and it's just like going to this, you know, uh, cycle of sleeping cycle. But if you're just like working with your phone and if you're just stressed and worry about something, your your sleep is going to be shallow, right? And and that's why I'm believing fascia work because when you do fascia maneuvers before going to bed, your the quality of your sleep increases. And I, I my sleep has been never been better. So yeah. how, how many hours do you sleep usually a night? Um, I try to sleep like, you know, seven hours, eight hours, especially okay. I, I teach a lot and I, I feel like I, I want to sleep more, but if not, then, you know, I wake up and then do some like fascia maneuvers and I feel good. I think it's not just about Japanese people sleep less or, you know, Canadians sleep more. I think in general, people who are a little bit more uh, laid back and relaxed, <laughs> sleep better. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Another question I have about related to the health is um, about blood types, mm. because apparently in Japan, uh, people will ask about your blood type because they can signify something. Do you have any insight into this? Yeah, um, it's. I think it's a very Japanese thing. I don't know if Koreans talk about it. I don't know Chinese talk about it. I, I but it's it just Japan. Yeah, from oh, yeah. what I read. It's yeah. Since I was like young like every time i look at the magazine or tv it's like today's uh prediction for blood type o or a and funny story is i was very religious about it when i was young it's like you know i used to use read the column it's like okay blood type blah blah but the funny thing is um i did a donation like blood donation for the first time when i was in poly 12 years old 
And um, up until then, I thought I was blood type A. And it, it says that in the mother's note, you know, when um, in Japan, when, when the child is born, mother will be given uh, from a hospital this like a little big uh, note. And then you can like, you know, keep all the, you know, how much weight and it's like, you know, all this kind of thing. And it says blood type A. <laughs> and somehow um, blood type could change. And uh, it turned out to be I was a blood type O. So that was very disappointing because for the longest time I was looking at blood type A trait, personality trait. And it's like, oh, okay, that fit me. And somehow I changed. And it's like now I'm O. It's like A is uh, a lot of Japanese people are A type, like blood type A. Um, which is normally hardworking, honest, quiet, and uh, it's just a good person overall. A typical Japanese, modest, you know, quiet type. O is more outgoing, um, and um, it's it's nice. Um, I guess it's just more fun. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Equi, sorry to interrupt. Do you have a window open? Because I'm getting some background noise. Uh, no, I closed the window. Maybe I'm just the this the earphone. No problem, no problem. Just, just double checking. Ah, okay, but that that's very interesting. Um, now talking, we talked a little bit more about this in the first episode, but talking about personality and everything like that. What parts of you feel more Canadian now, and which parts of you still feel very Japanese? Uh, um, I feel, I think it's most of. I think I, I, I'm becoming more Canadian for sure, but I'm appreciating uh, the programming. I learned to appreciate uh, the core value that I was raised with. And what that means is <clears throat> I think I am more... <clears throat> Sorry, I need some <laughs> water quickly. No worries. I got to. Thanks as well. Okay. I think I'm definitely more um, independent and I uh, trust myself more and um, um, I I think it's just like it's stop worrying about what other people think but I still do but I think in Japan you just constantly worry about yourself value yourself assess yourself through the mirror and the lens of others what other people think, what other people do to me, all this thing, and what I'm supposed to do at this age and time and constantly in the programming of at this age, I'm supposed to do this, at this setting, I'm supposed to do this, at this role as a mother or <clears throat> teacher, I'm supposed to do this, all this programming that um, Canadians have no idea, especially if I interact with um, people from, you know, uh, people from other countries, they don't have the programming. Um, for example, when I go to people's places, I'm supposed to bring some gift. <laughs> and I like that part of, you know, I think in Filipino culture also have that. And I think those things are like, you know, you can keep whatever I like and you, you don't have to keep whatever don't resonate with you anymore. And that, so that you can create, you can be who you are, you're uniquely, beautifully, you know, you are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And before you started to adapt and acculturate, acculturate more to Canada, do you have any stories from when you first came to Canada, something that really was a shock to you? 
Um, I think I remember I used to get so frustrated about everyone being so imperfect. <laughs> because it's a, in our society we're supposed to be so polite everything's so perfect when you go to banking they choose but what do you, you know, think about Canadians they're not perfect <laughs> if you go to McDonald's in Japan be, we, you will be treated like a god or you know king or queen right? it's like it's just McDonald's but you feel so good about it you know <laughs> but at the same time it's like you can tell if the person using the word with the emotions, with the proper intent, because you can tell, you know, um, even though Japanese people, they're working and they're polite, but it's like, if they're frustrated, you can tell, <laughs> you know, yeah. but in Canadian, they're more uh, open, right? It's like they show frustrations, like not necessarily your professional. Like I used to get so disappointed when you, when I want something at a bank and it's like, oh, you have to come back in like two business days or la da 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 da. It's like, I want this now, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it, it will happen in Japan. You know, there's no stress behind it. You're supposed to, you know, like the certain high standard of like everything needs to be this. And so I have to adapt myself to learn how to be okay with this low expectation <laughs> of everything. People, organization. <laughs> but the, the good part is like, I don't need to... Um, I don't need to raise my bar this high for myself, right? When I was in Japan, I have to live this expectation. And I'm constantly in this um, idea that I need to be in this, you know, high expectation, perfect, polite. But in Canada, I don't have to be this. I can just get to live in this and be really relaxed. As much as it's very frustrating, <laughs> but... It's, it is what it is, and I can lower my expectation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, which ties into um, what I mentioned in the, um, in the first episode about the bar exam, right? How mm -hmm. only 2.5% of people for the bar exam in Japan pass, and in the United States, it's one-third or, or two-third. I'll have to double-check that. Um, Another thing, even toilets are perfect in Japan. I've, I've never been to Japan, but I've heard about the toilets, and I want to sit on one. <laughs> I've never been excited to go to a toilet before. Uh, how was that coming to Canada? Because usually as a Canadian going yeah. to um, a developing nation, uh, I've found that, oh my God, the toilets are incredible in Canada. But I've heard from Japanese people when they come to Canada, they're like, these Sakata ones yeah, come with those toilets. That's a very interesting point. And definitely, like, uh, when I went to Europe, I was so disappointed because, like, why do I have to pay for the toilet? Every, like, it goes to shopping mall. It's like, it's just a crazy concept. Like, it, you don't have to do that in North America or in Japan. And in Japan, you also don't pay for the toilets because yeah. the toilets in Japan sound incredible. Like, they... like, why do you need to pay for a toilet? That's a crazy concept to me. So, uh, also the funny thing is, like, when, when my sister and my, uh, my sister and my mom came, we traveled to, like, Rocky Mountain area and we got off the bus. And there's a long lineup of toilet, just like in the women's line, not the guys' line. But then it's like you see all these Asians. And I think overall, I feel like um, um, Caucasian women have a bigger bladder. <laughs> 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 so I can think of the whole people outside, but in, 
it's just like people like myself and my mom needs to go to toilet all the time. <laughs> so we need to invest a lot of time and energy, money into toilet. And uh, that's something that uh, as soon as you arrive in Japan and you go to toilet and sit on a warm toilet, the warm seat, and it's like, ah, oh, I'm back. <laughs> yeah. The, like the seats are warm and it take care of you, beat it, uh, beat it, and you know, for your butt and everything. And it's like dry your dry your private part, and I just like it feel great. And um, you don't even have to open the lid because it, it will open some some area. Like it's just press a button or it's just everything automatic. It open the lid for you. And you sit on it. You and it just clean up, <laughs> and they close the lid for you. Um, yeah, you feel like a queen, and um, I love it. Yeah, and oh, it's very, very disappointing to come back to Canada <laughs> <laughs> for the shitty toilet. Yeah. <laughs> well, aside from the shitty toilets in Canada and uh, the, the imperfectness of it yeah. all, um, another thing I wanted to ask you about was this ability to to get involved in a group. Right. It's from what I've read in in Japan, you kind of have this in group and out group. And if you don't have a connection to this in group, you're not going to really be able to get in. Whereas, according to the research, it's much easier in Canada and in North America to get into a certain group. Now, you're in Vancouver and a lot of people complain about that in Vancouver. They say it's really hard to make friends. Uh, it's hard to penetrate a group. But according to the research, it's a little bit different. And we're especially talking about the business world here. Right. Um, have you noticed that? I definitely, you know, uh, there are all kinds of people. But when I was in Japan and then I was waiting for my work permit to uh, be accepted, I was there for like one year. I started to go up to this um, lots of new groups and community groups um, through like program, and I got to meet a lot of people. I've noticed that people who are you know who've been to foreign uh, countries, uh, you know, studied or lived or traveled, who are interested in speaking English and willing to immerse themselves into that kind of environment. There were those Japanese people are very open. They were always welcome. They have the idea of like, oh, everyone's welcome. Let's make friends and speak English or, you know, just talk about talk about cultures. And so I think it really depends on that group of people. And okay. But definitely English is becoming more important in Japan. So I feel like um, more people are adapting that kind of culture. Like, you know, it's like, oh, there's a Halloween party. Do you want to go? And then just like, you know, just like meet me. We call it gaijin. We call it like uh, foreigners. And yeah, friends. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Gaijin, it's interesting. For some reason, uh, foreign white people, it always starts with G. In Spain, you have giri. Mexico, you have gringo. <laughs> uh, you have gaiji. And then in, in China, what is it? You have another one also starts with G. <laughs> just, oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Random observation. Uh, but all right, Ikwe, we're almost at the end of the episode here. Is there anything else you want to share before before we end this? Thank you for having me. And, uh, it, you know, it's been an honor to just talk about my spirituality, how how I got where I am, and, um, you know, where I'm going with fascia and spirituality. I think it's very important to, you know, keep being yourself, accepting for who you are, 
and I think we're you know going to the next chapter in our life in our human history. Um, it's we are remembering who you who we are, which is we are all connected. You know, technology kind of detaches ourselves from feeling emotions and connecting. You know, feeling the human touch, but that's where the healing is. You know. You can't be hermit and hikikomori and to heal yourself. We need human touch and we need connections. We need communication. All this like frequency, energy, like those things are going to be so important. And I want everybody to just, you know, just work on their, work on their um, emotions and work on their body. And I have all the tools. Uh, we provide a lot of content for free. So if you're interested, you can, uh, I have a link tree, but also if you have an Instagram, you can just um, find me on uh, Ikue Dancer or I have my personal account, Ikue Ueno. You can, and if you go to link in the bio, you can find all kind of information. So um, yeah, I'm very excited to help people uh, help themselves. And uh, I hope that uh, uh, you can find me through this podcast. And thank you so much, Nolan. Perfect. Thank you, Ikwe. And by the way, all those links you just mentioned will be in the description of this episode, so you can find it all there. Again, this was Without Borders. Please go to the website and subscribe to withoutborders.fyi. This project can't exist without subscriptions. Um, but again, thank you for tuning in and uh, tune in next time. <laughs>